on your communion elements and we'll share together. If you have your Westover app, I invite you to open it. If you have your Bible, join me in the Gospel of John chapter number 12. And I want to speak on the subject this weekend leading us into communion. Don't lose it. Don't lose it is a phrase every parent has said to a child sometime, whether handing them the car keys or some other thing that's of value, and they said to them, be sure you don't lose it. I'm sure all of us have lost something at some time or misplaced it. Denise and I, we were traveling, and when we travel, we uh, often buy our grandkids something special when we go home. We were traveling and we were in San Diego. Denise went out shopping that afternoon and bought all the grandkids a gift. When we were on the flight back to San Antonio, we remembered we left it in the rental car. We forgot it. We, 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 we just misplaced it. Uh, we travel from time to time. And Denise is one of those persons that when she travels, she likes to take her pillow with with her is there any people that you just have to have your pillow to enjoy a night's sleep you know what I'm talking about well one time she forgot her pillow in the hotel room and just finding that perfect pillow is just it's just something you you have to have sometimes in order to enjoy a night's sleep here recently after really several years we had talked about it we had misplaced uh, a ring that I bought Denise for our fifth anniversary. And we were asking, where is it? Well, I don't know. We moved a couple times and we didn't know where it was at. Well, finally here recently we found the ring. It was in a little box. We happened to open it and there it was. We discovered the ring I gave her on our fifth anniversary. We recovered it. And what surprised me it was the first diamond ring I ever bought her. How small those diamonds were at that time. But it's the best I could afford <coughs> at that particular time. Yes, we lose things. Have you ever seen an athlete that you felt like lost their edge? Yeah, that can happen. Or perhaps somebody in their career path lost their focus. They were going to be and they were going to achieve the goal and somewhere along the pathway they changed their major and they, they became something else or went a different path. You can lose your passion in life. Yes, you can. You can get burned out in life. You probably know somebody that that's happened to. Perhaps it's happened to you. The, the drive, the want to, perhaps to launch that business or, or go to that ultimate degree in your career path. You were going to do it, but got burned out in the process. If you're not careful, you can lose your family. We all know that. There's somebody in your circle of friendships or within your family that has lost their family for whatever reason. A person can lose a dream. Yeah, the dream to become, the dream to achieve, something they feel like they were born for and they've, they've aspired to, and then all of a sudden you ask them later and they have shelved that dream. They lost it. I've wondered in heaven if there's not a lost and found department where God has unanswered prayers and unrealized dreams of people who felt like they were created for a reason and they had prayed and God wanted to bring that purpose and that prayer to pass in their life. God wanted to let them see that, that level of success and fruitfulness in their life. But for whatever reason, they, they got distracted, got turned around, went another direction, got discouraged. And here in the lost and found department in heaven is the dream and the purpose that God has for each person but was never realized. 
May I suggest to every one of us, inside of you is a miracle. Salvation, God's working inside of us, represents a miracle, and God redeems us not just so we can go to heaven and miss hell. God is redeeming us that we can become all that God purposed us to be. And inside of every one of us are, are the, the ingredients, the beginning of God's miracle inside of us. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, that there is a treasure and what he said is an earthen vessel. One version says in a clay pot. The clay pot represents our life, represents our physical life, represents our body, our, 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 everything that we see in our life. And what do we do? We take, the, we, we take the focus and put it on the clay pot, and we miss the fact that inside is a treasure in that earthen vessel. We take the earthen vessel and we put jewelry on it. We put skinny jeans on it. We want to make it look better, huh? And sometimes we, we tattoo it. We put labels on it. We take care of it. We, we want to dress it up. We, we spend all of our times on the exterior, the clay pot. And what we forget is here's what Scripture says, that God has put a treasure. He's put a miracle inside this earthen vessel, inside you and I. There is, there is a miracle. There are the ingredients of God's purpose that he has deposited, and it's different for every one of us. You have an assignment from God. You have a purpose from God. And inside your physical being, your structure, your responsibility, and your duties, there is a higher calling of God. What Scripture says, the treasure in an earthen vessel. And that miracle is something that God wants to bring to pass and birth and let it express its highest potential in our life. But sometimes we can lose it. With that in mind, I want you to join me in the gospel of John chapter number 12. And we're going to read a few verses, but let me set the scene. Let me back up to chapter number 11 for just a moment. Jesus is six days before Passover, before his crucifixion. So this is in the latter part of Jesus' ministry. Jesus hears, <coughs> excuse me, that a good friend, Lazarus, is sick to the point of they say Lazarus is near unto death Jesus makes the journey but Jesus doesn't get to the home of Lazarus Mary and Martha in time and Lazarus dies by the time Jesus gets there Mary and Martha are distraught or sorrowful recognizing that they have lost their brother and appropriately so and the Bible says that Jesus wept he too felt the emotion of the loss of a friend and then he tells the, the, the attendants and the people around, roll away the stone because Lazarus was put in a, in a tombstone with a stone rolled away as was the custom of burial in that day. And, and they said, you can't do that. The, the body is already decaying. You can already smell the stench of, 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 the, of the rotting flesh. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. And with one word, one command, Jesus calls Lazarus back from the silent city of the dead. Arguably, the most notable miracle in the ministry of Jesus. We're one week before his crucifixion, 
and probably one of the most notable, spectacular miracles in all the ministry of Jesus is when he raises Lazarus from the dead. I mean, that is a, that is a spectacular moment. I've even thought about the celebration. Can you imagine Lazarus coming back from the dead? Somebody said, make menudo. Somebody go get some bluebell. We're going to have a celebration. Absolutely. Now we're in John chapter number 12 and i want you to see what the scripture tells us in verse number nine lazarus has just been raised verse number nine it says meantime a large crowd of jews found out that jesus was there and came not only because of him but also to see lazarus whom he had raised from the dead so the chief priests made plans to kill lazarus as well for on the count of him many of the jews were going over to jesus and believing in him Notice that phrase in verse number 10. They made plans to kill Lazarus as well. What I want us to know is there's always something and somebody that'll try to kill your miracle. There's always somebody or something that will try to rob your miracle. Lazarus raised from the dead. And they were plotting, we got to get rid of Jesus, let's kill Lazarus as well. The most notable miracle that he ever performed, let's do away with that as well. And in your life, in my life, there is somebody or something, an experience that can kill your miracle. In fact, real quickly, before we go into communion, I want to share with you what I am going to call a miracle robber's miracle robbers things that will rob our miracle number one i'll share with you is a miracle robber is destructive patterns destructive patterns can destroy and rob your miracle notice hebrews chapter 10 verse number 26 it says if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth no sacrifice for sin is left what's the optimal word there if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received Jesus as our Savior, after we've invited the Lord in our life, if we deliberately, perpetually keep on sinning, here's what Scripture says, eventually there will be no sacrifice for sin left in our life. In other words, it's saying it can rob the miracle of salvation in your life. It can rob God's purpose in your life if you fall into destructive patterns. A single act of sin will, will separate us from our closeness with God but a pattern of sin will rob our spiritual identity. Remember in Genesis chapter number 3, Adam and Eve sinned. God said, where are you? He came looking for them. Where are you? Notice that word, where are you? But in Mark chapter number 5, there is a young man who succumbed to demon possession through a lifestyle and a practice of, 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 of a cult and devil worship. The devil was able to d- come into his life and possess him. Jesus didn't say, where are you? He asked the man, who are you? A single act of sin will, will wound our closeness to God, but a destructive pattern of sin will rob our spiritual identity. I can attest to that. I have a brother, my younger brother, He's 
has a lifestyle of, of drug and alcoholism. And I told my, my daughters and I told my wife, he's not the person I grew up with. Alcoholism has just absolutely changed him. The person that he was, he is no more. He's become something different. Sometimes you can't even recognize who he is. You don't even feel like you're related to him because it has stolen his spiritual identity. It has taken from him the gift. God put inside of him uh, uh, in that earthen vessel a gift, but addiction has buried and robbed that from him. There is a miracle robber, destructive patterns, addictions, toxic relationships. Oh, I've watched people get into toxic relationships and they just go from one to the other and wound and, and conflict and they get hardened and they get, they get calloused and they get defensive and they get cynical and lie. And then all of a sudden, they're not the sweet, innocent person. They're not the trusting. They're not the, 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 their personality has been taken from them and their, their, their real expression of their deep emotions can't come out because of toxic relationships. Destructive patterns can become the, the miracle robber. Number two is the, de the deception of sin. It's a miracle robber. There's a verse in Romans chapter 7, verse number 11, that if you read it, it's one of those verses in the Bible. You know what I'm talking about? You read the verse and say, I think I believe it, but I have, no under I have no idea what it means. You know what I'm talking about? You ever read a scripture and say, I, I want to believe this? But honestly, I have no idea what it means. Romans 7.11 is kind of one of those, one of those verses in the Bible. And, and it supports this idea of a, of a miracle robber is the deception of sin. Let's read Romans 7.11. For sin, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceive me. Now, wait a minute. What does it mean? For sin... Seizing an opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, first off, the commandment there actually refers to Scripture, to God's command, the Ten Commandments, the principles, the teachings of Scripture. Well, what does it mean, sin afforded, seizing an opportunity afforded by Scripture deceived me? Pastor, help me understand it. It speaks to the deception of sin. You see, sin can take a scripture, misuse it, and misinterpret it, and blind you and deceive you. An example of that? You know the Bible says that we should take care of ourselves? Yes, this is what Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself, self-care. Being healthy, self-care, emotionally, spiritually, physically, that's all right. The, the Bible says we need to take care of ourselves. Self-care is good. But here is how sin deceives us by seizing on that. Well, God says to take care of yourself. So anything that makes me happy has to be all right with God. Sin just seized a scripture and deceived you and used it against you. The Bible tells us, another example, that God does not judge by the hour. God judges. He sees the heart. Oh, I hear people say, well, God always sees the heart. I agree with you. That's exactly what the Bible says. Well, God always sees the heart. 
He knows that sometimes I don't do the right thing, but I intend to do. And as long as I intend and I am sincere, God understands it. I may go a different direction. I may, may have another lifestyle. I may do other things. But you know, God sees my heart. And because God sees that I intended to do right, everything is cool with God. You know what just happened? Sin has seized an opportunity afforded by Scripture. Sin actually took a Scripture, twisted the Scripture, and causes us to live in a lifestyle of sin because it deceived us. In other words, it will rob the treasure in the earthen vessel. And there are some of us, we are right now telling God, God, it's all right because you see my heart. I'm doing wrong. I know it's not the right thing to do. I told you I wouldn't do it, but God, you have to just, you just have to cut me some slack and understanding. And God is saying, the treasure inside the earthen vessel, the thief is taking it. The thief is robbing it. The third, the third thief is Satan. Third one I'll mention. He's the enemy of God. Now I know today and American church, it's not popular to talk about Satan. Always tell us something good. Tell us how good we are. Tell us everything is going to be all right. Tell us that there's going to be sunshine tomorrow and just everything is good and always pat us on the back. Can I tell you there's somebody out there that wants to put a dagger of destruction in your back and the Bible calls him Satan. There is an enemy of the soul that opposes everything God wants to do. The thing that God has for you, Satan is going to oppose it. God has a soulmate for you. And the enemy is going to try to get you to look at everything else and everybody else than what God has for you. There's a path God has for you. There's a direction God has you. There's a place that God wants you to be. And the enemy, Satan, is going to try to direct you. And today, we, are, we, we let Netflix to, to define who Lucifer is to us. And we need to go back to what the Bible says. And here's what Jesus said in John chapter number 10, verse number 10. He said, Satan is a, he's an enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, Jesus gave Satan the nickname destroyer. Why would you buy into the plans of anyone whose nickname is destroyer? Why would you let the destroyer make financial decisions for you? Why would you let the destroyer make relational decisions for you? Why would you let the destroyer plan your family? Why would you let the destroyer, somebody whose nickname is destroyer, to make, uh, to, to make decisions in your life? He wants to rob God's miracle in your life. Just for a moment, parents, let's say that you had a 15-year-old daughter, and your 15-year-old daughter, dads, she comes to you and she wants to talk to you about it's time for her to start dating. So now you're having the conversation. What is the right age to start dating? Is it 15, 18, 37? Which, which one is it there that's the right age to start dating, okay? You're having that conversation and you say to her, well, tell me, sweetheart, why, why are we having this conversation now? Said, dad, there's this guy who wants me to go steady with him and wants, me to, wants to take me on a date. Really? 
Who is he? Well, everybody at school calls him the, the player. <laughs> and you say, is he in sports? Is he athletic? How? No. His, th that title has nothing to do with athletics his athleticism, but in the hallways at school and on social media, he's known as the player. Would you let your 15-year-old daughter date him? Absolutely not. Then I ask you, why would you let the destroyer make decisions in your life? Why would you let the destroyer be the one that guides and, and, and leads in the priority decisions in your life? Let God do that and let God's word do that. It's a miracle robber. But how do you hold on to your miracle? And this leads me into communion. You stay connected to Jesus. You stay connected to Jesus. In John chapter 15, verse number 15, excuse me, verse number 5, just a few chapters over from where we read, Jesus is going to give a teaching and he's going to say this. He said, he said, I am the true vine and you're the branches. And you've got to stay connected. If the branches don't stay connected to the vine, they will die. And then Jesus adds this, without me, you can do nothing. There it is. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. You see, in order for us to become, to live, to experience, for us to live out the miracle, the treasure in the earthen vessel God has for us, for us to get our eyes off the exterior and realize inside of us, God deposited something called spirit. And there is a, there's a miracle in the making inside of us. we got to stay connected to Jesus. You stay connected to him. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you realize you were born with purpose. Yes. And I invite you. you got to stay connected to Jesus. Some of us are in the house of the Lord. We're fixing to go into communion. And communion for you is a reaffirmation of your devotion to Jesus. Wonderful. But for some of us, it's going to be a reconnection. Because we have been distracted. We, we, have, we have had let other things kind of choke out what God is wanting to do in our life. We've just been kind of absorbed by all of the, uh, the minutiae of life. And Jesus is summons us back. Say, stay connected to me. Perhaps even others. You've never made that full heart commitment to Jesus. You say, well, I, I believe in God. But you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You've never come to that point and say, Jesus, I receive you. I want you in my heart. I want to find the life that, God, you purpose for me, and I'm willing to surrender and give my life to you. That can be for you today. Someone invite the audience, balcony and main floor, to stand together with me now. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we pray over the elements. This is a 
This is an altar moment. No one moving. No one moving. This is an altar moment. Heads bowed. In a moment, in this moment. Are you saying today you're you're ready to make that commitment to Jesus? Perhaps you never have. You love Jesus. You, you, you love who he represents, but he's never really become your Savior, your Lord, and you're ready to make that commitment today. And you'd like to take communion as a believer in Jesus today, as a Christ follower. If the Holy Spirit has been awakening your heart and your faith, and you're ready to make that decision right now, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand and hold it up for just a moment the audience or the balcony. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Somebody else. Yes, all the way in the back. God sees your hand. Bless you. Yes, sir. God bless you. What I'm going to invite you to do right now, and this is the most important step. I can't do this one for you because it's called personal salvation. But you need to personally ask Jesus into your heart. You need to personally ask the Lord to take over your life. How do you do that? With The Bible calls it repentance. It's saying, God, forgive me, and Jesus, come into my heart. And as I pray over the communion elements, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer of saying to Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, make me a new person. And if you will pray that prayer, God will hear that prayer. And Jesus will come into your heart right now. Father, I pray over these elements, the bread. It represents the broken body of the Lord. And I'm going to pray for healing into this house physical and emotional and spiritual healing to take place. Oh God, let the, let the healing grace of God be in this auditorium. There are people that, Lord, they have chronic issues that are just, they struggle with. And they're reminded today that Jesus, by his stripes they're healed, touched their body. The cup representing the new covenant that we have with God because of the blood of Jesus. It redeems us. It says we can have a new beginning. We're not defined by our past. We're freed from our past. And I pray, God, in the name of the Lord, we will be reminded today that our redemption is in Jesus. It's not in religious systems. It's in Jesus. And that we will be reconnected and, and, and our devotion will be for Jesus. And we're reminded what the Lord said, without him we can do nothing. And I pray, God, for those who have asked Christ into their life. They're having a making new moment right now. They're, they're saying to Jesus, forgive me. And God, you're working salvation in them. They're discovering, God, the miracle of salvation in their heart. And I bless them and affirm them in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture says this bread represents his broken body. 
would you take in remembrance of the Lord Jesus together? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Healing in the name of the Lord. The cup. Symbolic of the covenant we have with Jesus through his blood. Would you take in remembrance of the Lord Jesus? Now would you join me and let's personalize it from your heart, from your life, your devotion. Personalize it. What is God saying? What is God reminding you? When you heard the words read in Scripture, without Jesus you can do nothing, what did that prompt in your heart? I'm going to ask you to personalize it in this closing prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can come to a moment in which our focus is on nothing but Jesus. And individually we recognize we're the branch. And as long as we're in Jesus... God, we will succeed. Jesus is the foundation. He's the source of our salvation. And we just thank you again that God, by the grace of Jesus, you're working in our life. We're not perfect, but God, we're growing in the grace of God. We're going, we're growing in your goodness. And I affirm that. For those, Lord, that have been caught in either the deception or patterns, God, call them back to you summons them back to your house summons them back to your presence and remind them they have a God that sees good in them a treasure in that earthen vessel and Lord they can become and fulfill your purpose in life I speak your favor upon them I speak the goodness of the Lord upon them and it's in the name of Jesus I pray amen God bless you go in the goodness of the Lord today